good morning, Bentry Church. It's good to see you guys. Thanks for coming. It's good to have all the families together here. We love that. For all of you watching online, we're so glad that you're here. And uh, listen, lots of changes and things that are coming through the pipeline. I know, thank you for being patient with us. But just uh, as a senior pastor here, I just want to say welcome to Bent Tree uh, Church. Even with all these restrictions on, even with all the stuff we have to, to do, it's good to see you. It really is. And to worship with you. I've been sitting in the back singing. And you know what I love about Bentry folks is they make worship about Jesus and not about themselves. I, I love that. You guys bring it. I heard you singing even though it was slightly muffled and, and it, was, it was good. But uh, we worship and we make it about Jesus, not about our lives. Man, I just love what God is doing through all of you as I talk about the stories and hear about them. The, the people that are here extra early to make sure our church goes off, let's give them a hand of what's going on with that, be from the band, getting all that stuff, bringing our best and our first. All of that is worship, not just the singing. All of this, getting things ready as part, just being a part of that family of worship. Uh, in the world we live in, regularly, it's easy to bring our worries and our thoughts into play. Have you noticed this? Like, you, you bring them into church, and even if we don't want to, sometimes we can miss what God is saying because uh, we just have our minds somewhere else, right? So let's just take just a few moments to lay this stuff aside, open our Bibles, and yes, I heard under, you had them uh, do this, but let's see your Bibles, let's see those. Uh, good job. Uh, you know, this is the thing with our Bibles. Let's ask God to get rid of our distractions. Let's ask him to get rid of all the busy thoughts in our minds uh, to let our brain kind of just clear our desktop, right, of our brain. And let's just focus in on what Jesus has to say. Open our eyes, open our ears to let the Holy Spirit just kind of reveal his truth. Amen? Is that a good plan? And then finally, let's ask God to help us just to take this truth deep within our hearts and changes from the inside out. I think this is great. I, I need my thinking renewed. Anyone else with me on that? I don't know about you. I, I need my feelings, my emotions renewed because I listen to all the news and all the stuff and I just like go, my thinking gets bad. So let's just pray and ask God to, to give this, uh, give this a kind of a reset this morning. Would you bow your head and pray with me? God, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, your name is great, greatly to be praised. Father, we just come as a body, a group, the local church, Bent Tree Church. God, as we have come to worship you today in song and prayer and giving, studying your words of truth, Lord, we want to see you. We want to to hear your words of Scripture. We want to hear the truth, God. Father, would you just take away any distractions right now, thoughts that might be tying up our brain. Brothers and sisters, just take a moment, just in prayer, to lay those thoughts, whatever they are, if it's outside of Jesus, just lay it down. Even good thoughts, just lay them down. They can wait for the next few minutes. <laughs> Clear the desktop of your mind. Give them to Jesus. Father, open our eyes. Open our ears. Show us by the power of your spirit what you want us to see. 
Help us to hear your voice today. It is in your uh, precious Son's name, our risen Savior, the long-promised Messiah, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and get our Bibles out as we get going here. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Uh, we're going to dive in. We're going to be in that first book of the Bible, chapter 4. Show me your Bibles out and your notes out. Now, I know this sounds funny. No judgment here. Just your, as your brother, I promise you, you'll get more out of it if you have your Bible out not just with you. You know what I mean? And taking notes, writing things down, uh, and follow along. Trust me, you will grow much faster this way. I use the Christian Standard Bible most of the time, and you can see it on the screen when I do that. It says CSB, Christian Standard Bible. And sometimes I use the ESV, the English Standard Version. Either one of those are great. There's several good ones. But get a Bible that's easy for you to understand, and then get a a study Bible that has some good commentary on that. Today, as we continue in our book of Genesis, remember the first two people God created were perfect and without sin. Who they would both then their sin. They would disobey God's direct word to them, and when they sinned, the world fell into sin. Or a more precise way of saying this, the world became corrupted. It became tainted with evil. This is the world we live in. You've seen it this week. Each one of us tainted, infected with sin. Each one of us guilty on our own account. Also, though, living under the curse of original sin, mankind is simply not able to not sin. But we saw how that God, in the middle of the shame of that first man and woman, offered this promise of salvation that one would come from their descendant and that these two brothers then were born. One would come to save, and they had to be thinking, is this, one of these two brothers, the promised one, the Messiah? And last week we dove deep into chapter 4, deep waters of Genesis, where we saw the first two children of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. And I drove some of you batty last week saying, Cain and Abul. That's their, right? That's their uh, Hebrew names. But Cain and Abel, right? And they were commanded by God to bring this sacrifice of, uh, of worship in doing that to God. Abel brought the firstborn of the best of his flock to God. And Cain brought what the Bible describes as just some kind of fruit of the ground, what he found as an offering. And notice that Cain did not bring the first fruits and he did not bring the best of what he had. And we pick up the story halfway through verse 4. Check it out here on the screen. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Oh, now the storyline thickens, doesn't God says, I accept yours, but not yours. One of the big things we saw last week was that when we bring God offering of our worship, it reveals the condition of our heart, what we bring him. Do we bring him the first? Do we bring him the best? Like we can say one thing, but it's what we do that actually reveals the condition of our heart, Right? Abel physically demonstrates his faith in the promise of God and his provision for him. Abel's offering is an act of faith in God. 
and Cain's, Cain's isn't. Cain's offering is just what he found to bring, just something to God. It reveals something about the heart of Cain, doesn't it? Now, we can't see into the heart of people. Sometimes I think I can, but we can't. But listen, God can. He can. Listen to what God tells the prophet Samuel. God says this in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. He says, humans do not see what the Lord sees. For humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. God sees it all. God sees the heart of Abel, and he sees, he understands the heart of Cain. Everything is laid bare. And listen, he knows their heart perfectly, even better than they do. God looks at the heart and knows them, so why does God tell these two brothers to even bring the offering if he already knows what they're going to do? If he already knows the hearts of men? Because look what we know about God, of what it says in Jeremiah 17, 11. This is fascinating. God speaking here, I, the Lord, examine the mind. I test the heart to give to each according to his way according to what his actions deserve. Ah, this opens up a new level, doesn't it? God examines us. He uses the trials of our life to test us. Now, notice God already knows the outcome, doesn't he? So why even test us? The testing, that's for us. It's for us. It shows us the condition of our own heart, like a test in school. If you test it, you get to move on to something new. It reveals where we are and what we have to learn. To reveal what needs to be brought to, the, to God and surrendered, we're about to see that happen here. Now, we have to be careful here. Abel is not some perfect guy. He's not sinless on his own. He has fallen just like you or I, and Cain is too. But remember from last week in Hebrews chapter 11, you remember what it says about Abel? By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. Now, it's not a competition, but it's just putting these two there. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts. Again, not a competition, it's just pointing out the difference. Although Abel is a fallen man, he is given righteousness by God because of his step of faith in God and specifically in the promise that God makes. See, the righteousness comes from God, not Abel. God gives the righteousness and gives him the faith to believe it. Abel, like Adam and Eve, have been redeemed by God because they have faith in the promise that God will one day send a rescue through their descendants. It would be born. It's talking about the Messiah. Okay, let's get back to this idea of verse 4. Here's the heart of what we are going to see today. Watch out for what is happening in the heart of Cain as he has now been rejected along with his offering in verse 6. Here it is. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you furious? Underline that word, furious. And why do you look despondent? Oh, God is pointing out something. Remember, God is not looking for information when he asks you a question. 
He already knows the answer, so why is he asking Cain? Well, for Cain's sake and for our sake, our benefit. This is recorded for us. God is teaching us a lesson. God's people. Cain is ticked off. And while sometimes people can hide their anger uh, from others on the outside, the people on the inside know when you're angry, don't they? They know when you're angry. And God sees Cain's anger on Cain's face as well as his heart. I want you to see something here. Don't let this slip by you. This isn't Cain uh, that is kind of upset. He, he's not just slightly miffed, right? The Hebrew word behind this, if you're taking notes, write this down, gives a picture of what this word furious means. Furious literally translated means anger, specifically rage, poison, venom. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? God is about to warn Cain of this poison Cain has in himself, the poison of anger gone awry. Now, anger is no sin in and of itself, and it's not. It's an emotion, and there are times when we should have a righteous anger, amen? But we have to be careful with anger, don't we? Because it's powerful in its effect. And God is warning Cain that Cain's anger has now turned to poison. It's rage. How does God know that? Because he sees right into his heart, doesn't he? Some of you know how this feels, don't you? To have this heat, this anger, this poison burning up inside you kind of, it's more common to men than it is women. But I know some women that wrestle with this too. I'm with you, by the way on this, in this area of my life that God has graciously helped me out over and over past my anger. If I'm not careful, it can lead to anger and get a foothold of sin in my life. And if that happens, dude, watch out. Because the people I love the most are not safe around me. I can let anger begin to drive my actions instead of the Spirit of God in His Word. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody else with me on this? Now, watch what God tells Cain. God gives Cain this warning. You ready? He says this in verse 7, If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Whew, what a picture. What a picture that we have. You know exactly what this is, don't you? There's some deep stuff here, so let's let's just kind of unpack this. Let's take it apart and see what is it saying, how do we apply it. First, what is God's promise to Cain and to us? He says, if you do what is right, if you follow my commands, if you follow my teaching, won't you be accepted? He says, you'll be all right if you do this. In other words, Cain, the reason you and your offering were rejected is you disobeyed the command of God. You did not follow the direction of God in how to live. God is talking about what just happened with Cain's Abel, uh, Cain and Abel's offering and Cain's offering being rejected. But it's also talking about this choice of how he is going to choose to live his life now. It's a new test. 
That's the second thing God does here. In other words, although Cain has screwed up the first test, this offering, he has now a bigger test that he is facing. God is saying, look, you can be accepted if you face this new thing with obedience and my word. But God gives him a stern warning. He says to Cain, he says, sin is crouching at the door. He says, like a lion just outside waiting to jump in and attack you, Cain, watch out. God gives this warning. If you open the door, Cain, to sin, the lion is going to pounce. Do you understand, Cain? Some of you know exactly what it means to have the lion pounce with anger and other sin. It's like you're a different person when you let the lion in. You become willing to throw off restraint. Some of the worst things, uh, worst hurts and pains I've ever caused have been caused to those I love the best, my family and my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because I let the lion in. I let the emotion of anger into sin and action. And the people I love the most pay dearly for it. I mean, as a pastor, you see fights and divorces and alienation, even murder all starts right here. It's, it's inside me. God is saying, Cain, what are you doing? What are you going to do? If you're going to trust me, you've got to watch out for this rage and anger and you've got to let it drain out. Or are you going to trust what you feel in the rage burning on your insides? You see, in this body, in this flesh, we live in until we Christians die and are given a new body. When Christ returns, praise God, and takes us all home, right? The lion is always crouching at the door. Sin is waiting to pounce. What I'm saying is there are even Christians that the elect, the believers, Christ followers, we all still wrestle with temptation and sin. Every day, if we are in Christ, we are forgiven of that sin. Amen? And yet we wrestle with it still. And although we are talking about rage and anger and the temptation uh, that it leads to, we could just as easily be talking about uh, the attraction you have to another man's wife. Or the temptation to gossip, lie, maybe to steal. All those are sins they start off in the heart before they lead to action. They're all waiting at the door. We live in this fallen world of temptation to sin, and it's everywhere. Now, I'm going to say something here that's incredibly controversial in the world, but nonetheless, it is truth, and you're going to find it right in Scripture. So if you recoil from what I just, I'm just about to say, it's not me that you're arguing with, really. It's Scripture. It's you're arguing with God. The world says people are basically good at heart. But God tells us that they are basically bad at heart. Write this down. The world says that people are basically good at heart, but God tells us that we are basically bad at heart, evil at heart. At our heart core level, in other words, we operate from an instinct of evil. It's all about me. And I realize that goes against everything you were ever taught in school and every Disney movie ever made, right? The world says, no, we're basically good. But when you see a guy do evil, we either say, well, he just went bad. <laughs> or we just say, well, there's always a few bad apples. But we like to think of ourselves as not too bad. We're good at heart, but we like to say things, well, I know I'm a little bit bad, but I, it's not like I'm Hitler. 
It's not like I'm Saddam Hussein, but what I find interesting is that people will say that even about the worst things people do. Have you ever noticed this? They'll say, well, I, I, he was basically a good person. Uh, he just killed somebody with an axe, right? He was basically a good person. I go, what? Or, or she was a wonderful person. She just fell into the wrong crowd when she stole all the money from the orphanage. Because those two things don't go together. See, what we tend to think is basically, I'm a pretty good guy or, or girl, and just some people are bad apples, but not me. And, and it's those that give us the bad name, the bad apples. But I'm not bad. But the truth is, we all have the capability of murder. We all have the capability of deep evil, deep sin. Why? Because we have a bad ticker. I mean the heart, not the physical one. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's not talking about this uh, organ beating in your chest. It's talking about the center of who you are, the core, the place where your thoughts, your emotions, your soul lives, the real you. You have sin nature there. So remember earlier when we heard God say that he can see every part of the human heart? Every detail, God knows what drives us. That verse we read earlier is an answer to this verse in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? Isn't that an interesting statement? Underline those words, deceitful and incurable. Deceitful can literally be translated this way, treacherous, untrustworthy. In other words, the human heart, more than anything else in the created order, is evil because of sin, and it will lie to you. Your heart is a scary liar. It will tell you anything it believes that will make you feel better, but the problem is your heart doesn't know what will make it feel better, right? Your heart will tell you one thing, but the next moment will tell you something completely different. Does this happen to you? It happens to me. I, I'm sorry to burst your bubble on mankind's goodness, but it's just simply not true. The truth is, your heart will lie to you. We've all been told, oh, just trust your heart. The truth is within you. Don't, don't do it. Your heart is in mine. They're liars. They're selfish. They don't know what they want. They're treacherous. Have you ever been watching a movie? And you know the main guy's like a murderer. He's like killed lots of women. And he's met this new girl and he's taking her and she's getting in his car because she thinks he's romantic and handsome. And you're like screaming at the television, don't get in the car with him, right? Don't do it. He's lying. That is your heart. That's our heart. It's treacherous. It is the result of original sin. Total depravity. And you already know this at some level, don't you? My wants, my desires are messed up. Yours are too. Let me give you an example. For me, it's on my day off. I can fall into this trap. BB will ask me, what do you want to do today, honey? Because she calls me honey. I love that. And I say, I don't know, but let me think about it. And I think about what will I do? What? That sounds good. That, that sounds like I desire it. Now, here is just a little picture of the glitch, how messed up my heart is. Tiny little picture. 
No matter what I choose to do on my day off, somewhere in the process of what I choose to do on that day, my heart will say to me, should have done the other thing. And I said, I just asked you, and you told me this. Yeah, but I think it would have been better if we'd done this. It doesn't matter what I choose. Does this happen to you? For me, it can come up in every single part of my life. My job, what kind of car I bought, even uh, can lie to me about being a pastor. And sometimes my heart will say, hey, if you just stayed a financial advisor, man, you'd have a nice, much nicer Jeep. (laughs) You'd have a much nicer house. What I've learned from my heart over the years is don't trust its desires until I've had time to pray and spend time with God because my heart simply lies to me and yours lies to you too. I've sat with a woman and a man and have been convicted over and over um, with what they say. They'll, they'll say this. They'll say, the person that I'm married to now, I just got married too young, but I've met this person. And if I could only just marry them, divorce my spouse and marry them, then I would be happy. I just know it. And I say, how do you know that that's true? And they say, I just feel it in my heart. I'm like, don't get in the car with him, right? He's a killer. Months later, sometimes years later, I've sat down with men and women that I had those conversations with as they just cried on my shoulder. Of course, that was before social distancing. They go, my heart lied to me. Look at that word incurable back in the verse. The bad news is it's not fixable. Now listen close. So why is If our heart is so treacherous and bad, can't we be cured? Because of sin. Our heart cannot be repaired. It's incurable. It's there in Scripture. When sin entered the world, we died spiritually. And we will physically one day. Sorry if that burst your bubble. It's why King David cries this out to God. He says, God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Have you prayed that? That's a good prayer. It's the doctrine of total depravity again. Don't get the wrong idea with total depravity. It's not that we do as much evil as we can all the time, but in every case, our minds have been scarred. They have been tainted by sin. Our emotions just simply don't work right. It means that even if we do our best and love people the best under our own power, there's still this heart that's trying to go, what if you did this instead? You'd be happier. It's the lion crouching at the door. Our hearts are sick with sin. But there's good news, literally good news. God tells his people this in Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19. God says, I will give them, my people, integrity of heart and will put a new spirit within them. I will remove their heart of stone, hello, from their bodies and give them a heart of flesh so that they will follow my statutes, Hmm. keep my ordinances, and practice them. They will be my people, and I will be their God. You need a heart transplant. Me too. What a promise God makes here. This is a prophecy about the promise of God to send Jesus the Christ right here. 
for believers in Jesus as Savior and Lord, Christ Jesus takes our old life, the old sinful side, our mind, our heart. He crucifies it on the cross of Calvary. That's why Paul says this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God. Do you understand what he's saying here? He's saying my old life was crucified, but I still live in this body that's messed up. So I have to live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, someone say, praise God. That's good stuff. For Christians, Christ followers, believers in Jesus, we still live in the old body that wants to sin and wants it bad. And yet we have been cleansed of sin forever. And still every day we live by faith because we still want sin. We still wrestle with temptation and sin. Our feelings are garbled because we still are in this body that wants sin. Our hearts lie to us. Because, but praise God, on the cross of Calvary, Christ has nailed the old sinful us to the cross. What I mean is he took our sin, he nailed it to the cross, paying for our sin as a, listen to me, a propitiation, a price we owe God, our own lives. So we live in the in-between. We say that a lot here because we are on earth until we die. We are in this old body that wants sin, and yet we are forgiven and still wrestle with temptation. But what Christians fail to see so often is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. And see, the new has come. Our walk with Jesus Christ and faith here on this earth is difficult. But the good news is that if we follow the commands of Jesus and mature in him test after test by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, we are being made new. Given a new way to think, a new way to feel. The new heart is being installed as we speak. The new way we feel as we go through the pain, the struggle with Christ. He is using that struggle, praise God, that pain those, as a test to complete us. A new heart to give us new feelings, new emotions, but not just that. He is giving us a new mind, a new way to, to understand the world. I, I need a new way th to think. Anybody with me? I need a new operating system. My old one just doesn't work right. How about you? If you follow Christ, that is what is waiting after these tests. Cain's face is angry. And look what God says to Cain again in verse 7. God says, if you do what is right, in other words, if you pass the test, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. We've got to fight sin and temptation. What will Cain do with this rage inside him? Well, you'll have to find out next week. I'm so sorry. I'm going so slow in this. There's just so much good stuff in here. I don't want us to miss any of it. Um, let's go ahead and close.
our time in prayer. If you would, just kind of bow your head and enter this time of prayer, and let's just seek God together. We're going to take just a few minutes. Father God, thank you for meeting us here right now and having your Holy Spirit just whisper your truth to our hearts. Would you just continue to speak to us right now as we seek you, God, as both individuals and as a group in a time of prayer. Brothers and sisters, as you pray right now, I'm just going to speak to two groups of individuals. First, if you are a Christian, if you are redeemed, listen up. Has the Holy Spirit revealed something to you today? Has the Holy Spirit of God shined a flashlight, a spotlight on a particular sin crouching at the door in your heart? That's uncomfortable, I know. But listen, it's a good thing. Like a loving father that wants his child to grow up into everything that they can be. God is speaking to you right now. One of the main functions of the Holy Spirit is to point out sin in our life and temptation that might be about to lead us into sin. God wants to fix that part of you and me right now. It's part of our sanctification. So brothers and sisters, I just invite you to go to God right now in an act of prayer, in an act of repentance, lay the sin or temptation you're dealing with before it. Confess it to God. If you're a Christian, you already know you are forgiven of your sin because of Christ's payment for your sin on the cross. So why hold on to that sin any longer? Your heart told you it would make you happy, didn't it? Or it told you that your sin would just at least numb the pain. What is the sin? Anger? How about sexual attraction? Lying? Gossip? Stealing? Is it some kind of addiction? Alcohol? Drugs? Have you made an idol out of something in your life? Maybe your job or money. If you could only have a little bit more money. Or a relationship maybe. Maybe if you could just be the perfect parent or the perfect spouse. Lay that stuff before Jesus right now. If you're not a Christian... I want to invite you right now to place your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Listen close. As your friend, here's what I know. Your sins separate you from a perfect and holy God. And whatever you think of your sins as great or small, you are separated from God because of your sin. That's not me saying that. That's God through His Word, the Bible. Listen to me. For most non-Christians, when they are presented with a perfect God that is revealed in Scripture, they usually have one of two responses. One is, I'm a pretty good guy. I, I don't need anyone to pay for my sin. Why should I follow Jesus and become a Christian? For you, I, I don't know what to say to you because, listen to me, until you understand that your sin will not only keep you out of heaven and keep you from God, it will send you into hell for all eternity. You are lost until you realize how much you need God and His forgiveness. But let me say, for some that I've talked to that have said they're pretty good and they don't need a God to save them. They have later come back to me and told me that if I could have seen into their thoughts and in their, their mind right then, they were crying out, what do I do? 
If that is you, simply do this. Admit your sin, that you were lost without Jesus and that you were headed to hell and that Jesus, because he is the Christ, the son of the living God, he is the only way that can save you. Listen to me. Until you do that, you are lost. Believe. I beg you to believe. I beg you to repent. Turn to Jesus. He loves you. But then there are those that are not only realize they are sinners. Their reason for not following Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is totally different. They think, I'm too far gone, Paul. Is that you? They say things like, you don't know the sins that I've done. You don't know how ugly my heart is. Jesus could never forgive me, they say. I can't even forgive myself. Here's the good news. You don't have to forgive yourself. If, you're only, if you only believe in Christ Jesus as your Savior, your Lord, He will save you. His blood, awful your sin is in God's sight, is a good place to be because you have to come to a place where you know you cannot fix things on your own. This is the perfect place to be. To surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Just to cry out, God, save me. He will. Become a Christian today. Believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What that means is that as Lord, He has complete control of your life. Follow Jesus then. Do what He says. And as Savior, it means that you trust His sacrificial death on the cross to cover, to pay the price of your sins. You do that in faith. What that does is makes peace between you and God. You know you no longer have a debt of sin to God. God has paid your debt with the blood of his own son. And that peace with God means that he has adopted you, listen to me, as his own child. You have spiritual life. And get this, you still have the old you, the body you live in until you die or until Jesus comes back to take you home to heaven. But one day, we will have a new body, a new mind, a new heart. No sin, no temptation. We call that glory where we will be in perfect fellowship with God face to face. Take just a moment right now to talk to God and put that stuff in your own words. Call out to God. Believe on Jesus right now. Just as the band plays softly, take just this moment right now to respond to Jesus. If you're a Christian and you have sin to lay before him, just say, God, renew my heart and mind. Or if you want to believe on Christ as your Savior. God, we trust you with our hearts. We trust you with our minds. God, as an act of faith, we just believe on Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Help us to follow him in everything we, uh, we do in his word. God, help us to give up our own plans, our own desires, and to follow Jesus. And God, we trust him as our Savior as a propitiation, a debt that has been paid by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. We are free because of you and your love for us, Jesus. So we end our prayer time like this. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray.